Now, um, grab your Bibles and we'll go back to Galatians 6. Uh, We can tonight move away from (laughs) the subject of, uh, I I don't know, whatever it was, money slash giving. But as as uncomfortable as that may have made us, um, it certainly is uh, (laughs) of interest. Whereas the next few verses, I don't think it's going to contain as much um, uh, maybe controversy, we'll say. But let me read you, beginning at verse 6, I'm going to read all the way through the end of verse 10. So here we go. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows. Um, that That will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in, doing, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Guys, tonight we're gonna we're gonna try to cover from verse eight through uh, eight, nine, and ten, um, and you you know that this is a whole paragraph, um, and the, uh, whereas Paul um, does not leave behind the whole backdrop of the passage, which has to do with money or the money issue, uh, because the principle is still woven into this paragraph, he does move on to apply it in a different way. The, um, the principle that he's been trying to teach is the principle of um, what a man sows, that will he reap. And it has application in the world of agriculture. It has application in the world of our giving. But it also, he, he, he develops now uh, another piece of application. And now he is going to apply that principle in the moral realm. Uh, when I say moral realm, I mean just in a life of godly living. The principle applies in agriculture. It applies um, as a man sows, so shall he reap. It applies in my giving as a man sows, so shall he reap. Uh, And now he moves to apply it to um, my living, my my choices, my behavior, my conduct. Um, And he mentions in verse 2 that there are two options. Notice. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap, with the Spirit will reap eternal life. There, there are two options, guys. There are two harvest options. Um, there are two kinds of sowing, which inevitably lead to two different kinds of reaping. Um, the reaping on the heels of one sowing is corruption. The reaping on the heels of another kind of sowing has to do with eternal life. Um, But here again, guys, the harvest depends on the kind of sowing that one does. Um, And you will notice that the two reapings, one is corruption, the other, and by the way, that's a, a real... Uh, I, I, I guess you would say poignant Greek word. It's um, phthora, 
which has to do with decay or um, um, rot, corruption. Um, the other harvest is eternal life. Um, corruption, decay, rot, however you want to translate that, that word, um, that is what one reaps when one sows a life of self-indulgence. If one reaps to the flesh, guys, the quality of the harvest depends not on the quality of the seed, but on the quality of the sowing. Um, it's what you sow that will determine the harvest that you experience. So what you have here is an exhortation um, addressed to us concerning our moral choices. And apparently the stakes are pretty high because there's only two reapings that are contrasted here. One is corruption, one is eternal life. That's what's at stake. Corruption or eternal life. That's the only two he mentions. Now, guys, um, the principle that he's tried to weave into this paragraph is that principle of sowing and reaping. Okay? Any, anybody with a half of a brain knows that, oh, well, of course, that's, that's, that's right. I mean, everybody knows that. I mean, as, um, I mean when it comes to farming, uh, you know, you're going to reap what you sow. And then when it came, it came to this discussion of money, he applies the same principle. When, you know, you're going to reap what you sow. And yet when it comes to this moral world or the moral realm, you have, to, you have to somehow lose your mind to conclude that I can, re, I can sow any old way I want and then end up with a good harvest. We acknowledge the truth of the principle when it comes to agriculture. We probably even acknowledge the truth of the principle when it comes to giving but when it comes to our moral choices, we say, well, we're going to sow, you know, to the flesh. But we're going to reap to the, we're going to reap, you know, to eternal life. Guys, you have to be insane to think that, um, <clears throat> that principle can apply everywhere, but it doesn't apply in the moral realm. And that's what he's doing in verse 8. If you, if you choose to sow to the flesh, here's what you can expect. Corruption. Everlasting corruption. Because it's compared with eternal life if you sow to the, sow to the Spirit. Now, guys... Um, just to, to uh, expand the argument a bit, 
the whole book of Proverbs uh, is really, <clears throat> I mean, it's not intended to be, but it, in, in one sense, the book of Proverbs is, um, is a commentary on Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. The book of Proverbs is, is showing, or is t- uh, a father teaching his son, son, certain choices lead to certain consequences. Um, I, I love to, to talk about this. Here's an example. Um, this is out of Proverbs chapter 14. People really don't, <laughs> they don't pause to, to uh, ponder 14.4. But here's what 14.4 says. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. But abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. Now that stirs your soul, now doesn't it? Um, I mean, aren't you moved by the thought for the day, which is where there's no ox and the manger's clean? The, um, the point is, if you don't want to clean the stall, just don't buy an ox. And if you don't buy an ox, you'll never have to clean that silly stall. So if cleaning a stall is just abhorrent to you, I got a solution for you. Don't ever buy an ox. But... Abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. Is that not genius? <clears throat> Pardon me. <clears throat> you know, if you're going to have the abundant crops, you're going to have to have the ox. But the ox is going to mean you're going to have to clean the stall. But if you don't want to clean the stall, then you don't buy the ox, but you don't get the crops. Because choices lead to consequences. The book of Proverbs is full of that. It's a father saying to his son, son, do you understand that as a man sows, so shall he reap? Over and over and over and over again, that, that, that's what you, what you get in the book of Proverbs. <clears throat> and yet somehow, people have lost their minds because they conclude it doesn't matter what I sow. Because the reaping's going to be the same good news. It is not. There's two sowings and there's two reapings. If you choose to sow to the flesh, the harvest is going to be terrifying. It's going to be corruption, rot, decay. Eternal life is tied, I mean, the harvest of eternal life is tied to another sowing, a sowing to the Spirit. Guys, that's, what, um, that's what's in view in that, in that statement. The flesh, that is, back to Galatians 6, um, if you sow to the flesh, the flesh, that term, it's, it's the Greek term sarks, um, but the flesh throughout the, the epistle of, of Galatians has referred, has, has, has been used by Paul to refer to that part of the heart that wants to stay in control by being our own savior. I do not want to turn to in reliance upon a God-provided savior. 
I, I want to be my own savior. Uh, that's the way that Paul has been using that term uh, in his whole argument in the book of Galatians. It is the flesh is that, that tendency in our, our determination to resist this free grace idea and try to earn our own righteousness. If you sow to that, ladies and gentlemen, the reap, the harvest, will be corruption. <clears throat> the reaping is going to be in line with the approach that you took to sowing. So if you sowed to the flesh, and what was the flesh? Oh, it was that part of my heart that wants to, to remain in control and be my own savior and, and, and not rely on a God-provided savior. If you, choose, if you make that choice, then, um, then the outcome is, is predictable. Um, it's logical. It is rational. <clears throat> it leads to corruption. It's that, you remember the parable in, in Luke 12 where the man had all, in fact, I, I think I alluded to this last week, where the man had all, he had the real good harvest. He had all this, and he didn't, his barns weren't big enough, so he's going to turn out his big barns. I mean, he's going to turn out his little barns, build big ones. So he could, and, and then he says, um, he says to his soul, um, um, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years, relax, eat, drink, be merry. And, and here is the consequences of sowing to the flesh. You fool, says God. This night your soul is required of you and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself, sowing to the flesh, and is not rich toward God, sowing to the spirit. Now guys, um, just again, it's not that complicated, but somehow Satan has a way of muddling our thinking in such a way that we think, <laughs> I see that, that I see that. <laughs> but I'm going to be, um, I, I'm, I'm going to be somehow an, an exception. Ladies and gentlemen, um, just to give you a crude uh, example. If you smoke two packs of cigarettes a day for the next 40 years, you're very likely going to develop some kind of lung issues. Those are consequences to the sowing. But there are still people who think, I'm going to smoke two packs a day for 40 years, but I'm not going to have any lung consequences. I don't know, maybe there is somebody out but I can tell you in the moral realm, there's no exceptions. If you spend your life sowing to the flesh, you will reap corruption. And then he adds um, in verse 8, um, but the one who sows to the Spirit will, from the Spirit, reap eternal life. Um. <clears throat> Sowing to the Spirit. What is, what is that? Um, it's, it's the commitment of time. It's expending thoughts and time and effort and money on the development of my soul. That's what it is. Um, 
guys, um, to sow, I mean, sowing to the Spirit is, is a reference to your choices, to some moral choices that we make. Will I choose to um, feed this dog or this dog? Am I going to feed my flesh or am I, am I going to feed my soul? Am I going to expend effort, thoughts, time, money on the development of my, of my flesh or am I going to spend those things on the development of my soul? Um, gang, that, this is a vital principle when it comes to holy living. It, 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 it makes reference to our choices, guys. Holiness is a harvest. Um... The results are logical. By the way, remember, same paragraph, God is not mocked. It it calls us to take inventory. I mean, verse 8 is calling us to take an inventory. What are we feeding? Or to what do we sow? um, are, Are we sowing are, are we expending thoughts and time and effort and money to enhance my flesh or my soul? Which one is it, guys? And that's what verse 8 is about. Now, um, the principle is an easy one. The principle is an obvious one. The principle is a logical one, and yet it's ignored. Guys, it does not take a massive intellect to understand verse 8. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you're out there saying that. Well, move on, Jimmy. I got that. Um, you don't need the degrees that I've got to explain this, but people still ignore it. Why is that? Uh, I, I, I think we're more ravaged by the fall than we, than we know that we can say, oh, I get that. I mean, if you read, if you make that choice, you get corruption, you make that choice, you get eternal life, but I'm still going to make these choices and expect that. You see that disconnect? <laughs> that doesn't happen in the moral realm, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't happen in the spiritual realm. Um, God is not mocked. Now, verse 9, he tells, he goes on to say, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Guys, um, that's a real pastoral, that's a sweet pastoral comment on the part of the Apostle Paul. Because you see, there's always a delay between reaping and sowing. You know that. I mean, surely you've planted something before. I plant zinnias every spring. And, uh, you know, I don't expect to plant them on Monday and harvest them on Tuesday. Um, you know, it. There's a time lapse between the sowing and the reaping. Um, But there will be reaping, there will be produce eventually. Um, But but we we Christians are, we groan over the fact as to why does this take so long? Why why do I see so very little advance in, in... my soul? Well, I I don't know the answer to that question in terms of each individual, but verse 9 is an exhortation to persevere. Um, Gang, you know that, don't you? You know that perseverance is a requirement. (laughs) You know that, don't you? 
Mark chapter 13, verse 13, Jesus says, and he who perseveres to the end will be saved. You know that, don't you? It's not enough to um, do a little spiritual sowing, you know, while I'm 30, but at 40, I've had enough of this. I don't see much progress, and so I quit. No. Guys, um, this, is a, this is a kind statement on the part of this pastor reminding you that, that the harvest will come, but yeah, I mean, you notice, for in due season, we are in a, always in a much bigger hurry than God is. In due season, we will reap. If we do not give up. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a good, clear, resounding profession of faith tonight, that is, that I'm standing here tonight to tell the world that I trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. You've got a clear profession of faith tonight. I'm not trusting in my baptism, my confirmation, my works, my, my own righteousness. I'm trusting in Christ. And tomorrow you change your mind? Do you know what that proves about your statements tonight? They were not real. Because it is only he who perseveres to the end, says Jesus. Look at it. Mark 13, 13. <laughs> um... So perseverance is, it's not enough for me to say I'm trusting in Christ today. I got to say that tomorrow and the next day and the next and the next and continue this sowing to the spirit, not the flesh. Um, <clears throat> he is, Paul is addressing a real source of frustration and discouragement in all of us. Why can't I see more progress? Um, don't give up. That's the exhortation of uh, this pastor whose name happens to be Paul. <laughs> um, you're going to see the reaping. Look at it. Uh, for in due season, you will reap if you do not give up. You must not give up. You can never throw in the towel. And very frankly, if you're saved tonight, you won't throw in the towel. And the reason I know that is not because you're going to hold on to him, but he's going to hold on to you. That's the promise. He who hath begun the good work will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so one of the evidences that I am real is that I don't throw in the towel. I don't, I don't quit. And then finally, um, verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. By the way, there's one example... Um, of this sowing to the Spirit. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are in the household of faith. Um, one example of sowing is doing good. You know, guys, um, <clears throat> one of the things that I, I think is one of, one of the healthiest parts of Grace of Anne, it, it, it may not be the teaching and the preaching, but one of the healthiest things is the mission's involvement here. Do you know about where your money goes? I wish you'd, I wish you'd take time to figure out, I mean, to, to go ask. Uh, Jonathan Todd, I think, is in the room. He'll tell you. But, um, guys, um, you're, you're, you're giving. Um, I, I don't know whether you know this, but 10% um, of everything that you give goes straight to a missions committee, the Grace Venture Committee. Okay. 
So they decide how these mission dollars are going to be spent. 7,000 of those dollars was, were um, uh, allotted to a, a group of women who is uh, working in you know, the inner city of Memphis at the Neighborhood Christian Center. And that $7,000 um, uh, is spent like this. Uh, at least th- this is one example. Um, uh, every Wednesday um, at 4 o'clock, well, no, there's one on Tuesday, too. Donna's, the two Donna's are on, uh, I think three of them are on Wednesday. But anyway, maybe two, maybe two are on Wednesday and two are on Wednesday. But uh, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. But they buy orange, uh, oranges and cut them into little wedges. Thing. Oranges. Um, they buy grapes. Grapes. You know the ones you throw away? They buy grapes and they buy, um, they buy a little snack. I mean, a little dessert sometimes, one of those little brownie things, and, you know. And um, a taco, a soft taco. <clears throat> so every Wednesday afternoon, 140 kids are getting a piece of fruit, uh, a little dessert, and a taco. And when that fruit gets passed out, None of it is left. Susie tells the story about at Thanksgiving that they bought oranges. And they cut the oranges in half. And you know how they, how they make little turkeys out of the, you know, you cut the turkeys and you put the, the, the half of oranges is the body of the turkey. And um, they never got any turkeys because the kids were so smashing the, the oranges eating the whole thing, right and all. Now, all I'm saying is, so then we have an opportunity, let it, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Do you know how beneficial that $7,000 is to 150 kids a week? Now, he does go on to say, especially to those who are of the household of faith, um, you know, uh, this, this doing good starts in the, uh, amongst the people of God, but there's all kinds of doing good that is sowing to the Spirit. There's all kinds of ways to sow to the Spirit. There's all kinds of ways to do good. You can buy an orange even and, and watch the door open so that the gospel can be proclaimed. An orange a brownie, and a taco. It's doing good. And as you have opportunity to, I mean, it's, it's not to be confined to the household, uh, to just Christians. Do good to everyone, but especially those household of faith. Um, you know, there, there are some sweet things that are going on here that, you know, I, I go to a staff meeting on Tuesday morning and I don't know they're going on. I wish you could hear some of the things that I hear at a staff meeting about um, uh, the things that are happening with the, uh, with the Hispanic community and, um, and soccer, um, uh, participation that has tripled in three years, um, an, an Indian um, soccer team that worked out on our, um, on our field so that they could... Um, play in the, it just uh, over and over. cricket. 
you know, I guess you heard that cricket is the, the, the most popular sport in the world. I didn't know that. But we're going we're gonna, to um, teach cricket. There ain't a member of Gracie Van that knows anything about cricket. But, but um, we can f- find some people doing good to everyone, but especially the household of faith. And, and, and I want to quit with this, guys. Um, it's interesting to me, the, the term that he uses to describe the church, a household. Do good to the household. You know what that makes us? That makes us family. We dwell in a family. And if this is not a family to you, then, then you're missing the intention of, of, of the church's existence. She's supposed to be a place of real safety, real encouragements, real provisions, real um, um, where growth takes place because this is a household. And if you forever stay on the periphery of it, that, that'll be a loss for you um, because it's to be a household a household of faith. Don't you like that word? Give it some thought. Let's quit. Our Father, um, we do want to be productive members of a household, of a family. Um, we also want our, our resources to be spread far and wide. Whether they buy soccer balls or oranges, we care not. Uh, as long as we can, in the name of Christ Jesus, do good, but that good starting here at the household. And would you encourage your, your people tonight, might they leave with a sense that uh, if, if they have come discouraged, would you encourage them to keep on knowing that the harvest in due season will occur, that though we are always in a much greater rush than you, would you, would you enable us to hang on uh, until we begin to see that progress in our souls? But Lord, if you brought in anybody here tonight who is so benighted, so confused, so darkened in their souls that they think that they can continue to make choices that sow to the flesh to think that they will then reap eternal life would mean that you are mocked. But we are told that you're never mocked. Would you convince them that the choices that they're making are choices that will produce a harvest of rotten decay and eternal corruption? Would you um, grab the attention of any darkened heart and mind that it might be awakened tonight to see that there's only two harvests, corruption and eternal life, and those are determined by the sowing. Do that, Father, all for Jesus' sake and his glory, and we pray, of course, in his name.